Hello. Uh, good to have you on. This is a currency podcast. Uh, and so that means that what you've tuned into is me. Um, I run this podcast and I'm like the authority on currency, all any currency that you could think of. So um, if you tune, tune into the YouTube video broadcast, you'll notice I have some new posters. You can figure out what they are over time, whatever. Um, uh, I got some new posters, whoop-de-doo for me, um, and so and so characterization and among other things. But I'm I'm the authority on currency, and so it is my duty to let you know that national currencies are inflating currently, um, uh, allegedly as a result of the Russia Ukraine. Russia-Ukraine conflict, their national currencies are inflating recently, like prices of, I mean, we already know that, like prices of food are going up and shit like that, but uh, like the inflation has accelerated even more so recently is what I hear from, that's what I hear from, from around, you know, but, and I make that point just to say that I got to let you know about when, because I don't care just about cryptocurrencies, I care about national currencies. I typically argue for cryptocurrencies. Uh, I guess that's an emphasis that I put, uh, I put on that branch of currencies because we're, I'm just weighing one sect of currencies versus another and uh, mentioning, I, like I, I emphasize cryptocurrencies because I because they're more futuristic or likely they're the money of the future, whatever. I know that people say these things, but watch out for inflation that's occurring with national currencies because in case you didn't know, like when a country, when a civilization collapses, the currency of that civilization hyperinflates quite a bit in the, in the last days. And I'm not saying that any nation or anything is about to collapse. I'm just saying that at the point you recognize that hyperinflation is occurring, this is a pattern that 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 human history has seen before, wherein the civilization that is about to collapse, their currency hyperinflates quite a bit in the last days. So like the prices go up like crazy. But I mean, I'm not advocating for cryptocurrencies. Technically, I might as well be I might as well be advocating for gold and silver because. Uh, cryptocurrency technically could be like a nation whose whose currency could hyperinflate and explode just like a national currency so i guess just invest in gold but the, i'm not ta- i'm not here to talk about that today i'm talking about conspiracy theories and specifically the conspiracy theory about inner earth civilizations which i believe is uh, one of the most important conspiracy theories it's maybe the most important conspiracy theory uh, that is out there today. I I would argue it is the most important one, even if it is not, even if it hasn't gained mass traction or mass popularity at this point. I'd say that going into the future, maybe for the rest of yours or my lifetime, the most important conspiracy theory is this one that I'm covering today. And this brings up to me, a couple points about conspiracy theories which are that and so like uh if you tune into the youtube video i'll i'll put prompts in the in the comment that i pin that talk about when i start covering the i mean that i'll show you when i start doing commentary on the videos but i'm doing commentary on a couple youtube videos i come across about inner earth civilizations and um 
like uh, what you would need to believe about them or if they are to be believed. But so I just want to give you some context about what I think about conspiracy theories before I cover it and then like explain it from my perspective, what I the comment on these conspiracy theories. Um, so pretty much I, I generally want to, I want to believe in conspiracy theories. I'm open-minded about them. I evaluate them initially as if they're true. So like I would at least try to consider logically whether or not a conspiracy theory I, I hear is true or not. And, um, like basically conspiracy theories are, are com competitive is an important thing about them. Like they're, uh, they mostly exist in the periphery. They aren't mainstream is what makes them conspiracies. And so because of that, they exist in a highly competitive environment where the theory that's presented is, uh, competing with a lot of other theories to gain, popularity that it yet doesn't have like there it's a competitive space that conspiracy theories exist in because they have not yet gained popularity they're trying to they're vying for attention where they already don't have it but it's like uh they're they're competitive because uh they exist kind of conceptually or we don't we don't know enough about them they're alternative perceptions to mainstream ones but um, and by the way, this should be a two part, like this should be part one of two parts of this video that I'm going to be commenting on, which I will get to in a minute, but I'm just giving you context about, um, what I think about conspiracy theories, but so they're like, they're, they're competitive and, um, but they exist in a, in a competitive space. They, they're very, by comparison, I just bring up that point to say that some conspiracy theories are just shit and then some are really good but like that i'm telling you that this one will be more prominent than the others is like uh it's a it's a predictive thing the same way like if you're getting into conspiracy you're getting into prediction because like the best conspiracy theories are kind of ones that people who are on the cutting edge of them are predicting will become mainstream or like at the point that it becomes mainstream, that's like where it realizes its power because the conspiracy theory has, like since it hasn't completely manifested itself, like um, it's, it realizes its power and it's like people liking music before it becomes popular, I guess. Uh, like that's part of the game. It's, it's part of like, uh, like um, individuals like to gain clout for being the first to bring up a conspiracy theory because all of these things don't exist in the mainstream yet. But I just wanted to mention that the, I don't, I, myself, as far as I evaluate conspiracy theories, this that I'm talking about today is primarily referred to as the hollow earth theory and the, uh, is the hollow earth theory. And so I want to contrast that with another conspiracy theory, the flat earth theory, and I do not believe the flat earth theory, but uh, I'm saying like me evaluating that theory, I would say that that is a conspiracy theory, but I think it's a shitty one by comparison. Like competitively speaking, there are, there are a lot of conspiracy theories that are better than the flat earth one. The flat earth conspiracy theory is almost like 
a theory brought on by people who hate conspiracy theories or something like that because it's so not believable that like to act like it is believable is kind of just to shit on people who who believe in uh things that haven't yet uh manifested themselves it's like it's that bad of a theory it's like the people that believe in it are just giving conspiracy a bad name they're like they're like the Westboro Baptist Church or something um the flat earth flat earth conspiracy theorists because they're so um it's just not a great theory because there isn't it's it's a it's very much a choice um it's a choice to believe in that because you're just choosing to say that everybody who's been outside of the earth is lying it doesn't really it's not very logical you haven't really got you haven't really you're overlooking a lot of data from a lot of different sources to say that flat earth is real is why it's not real um like i'll take the time to consider maybe it is real but it's like jeff bezos goes into space there's all these billionaires that go into space and then they're like like william shatner went into space and then he came back like at this point people are um it's becoming more and more available to anybody to go into space it will like continue to be that way but there's like to say that all of the that the entire nasa space program is like bullshit when nasa is like hey the earth isn't flat and nasa is sending people into outer space all the time to say that like nobody's gone out or gone out or space or whatever it is uh flat earth i'd say is completely bullshit and uh i'm just giving you context what i say for conspiracy theories like so that you so that i can talk and you get to know so i get to tell you what i think because this is my podcast not really like to help you out sure but also like uh, these are my, this is what I get to think about uh, conspiracies, but pretty much 9-11 being a hoax, I also think is bullshit. I've never heard one, I've never heard any one credible thing uh, about it for the people who support that it's a hoax. I've never heard any like really good piece of evidence for why it is or what the the motivation behind it. I understand the general idea is that George Bush um george george w bush um cause was like allowed the planes to hit or whatever I, I the whole thing that it's a hoax doesn't really add up to me because i guess you'd be arguing that the people that hijacked the planes were like uh government officials or their double agents like their double agent government officials that are posing as arabs that are actually doing the government's bidding or or uh because i don't know how you dispute that there were like the terrorists were arabs that hijacked the planes um at least i mean there's all these accounts of people that were on the airplanes making calls to their relatives saying like oh the planes are hijacked or whatever i guess the i, I guess the 9-11 conspiracy theorists think that think that government officials hijacked the planes or something but like all the people that died in them all the people that died in the planes did really die and like everybody saw those buildings crash it's just like um i saw the buildings collapse and we saw the plane crash into the second building it's just that like uh there were 40 different news networks all over the world that covered a plane crashing into the 
World Trade Center at the same time from different angles, there is no way that all of these news, there's no way that all of these news agencies uh, were able to record this at the same time or they were able to get together for this to like superimpose a visual effect of an airplane. That would never happen. That's ridiculous. It's completely illogical. I would never, never think that that was possible. Uh, and then the argument is that the buildings couldn't have collapsed because jet fuel can't melt steel beams. Um, I, like, I don't know, maybe the buildings collapsed as a result of the like 747s that have uh, thousands of however many tons of jet fuel in them. And then those, all that jet fuel exploding in a, in a building that like, that maybe that caused the collapse like and then all of you saw that the buildings were on fire pretty like their infernos where the planes crash into those buildings um as a result of the planes that crashed into them and then those infernos sort of brought the buildings down like uh i i don't think that i don't think that the world has so much knowledge about building collapses that every that like I don't that it, uh, somebody who believes in this conspiracy theory would be able to believe that those buildings couldn't collapse as a result of a 747 crashing into it at 200 miles an hour or whatever like that. It's a lot to assume that that building wouldn't collapse. Um, I feel like the raging infernos generated as a result of a few tons of jet fuel exploding in the building maybe caused the building to collapse. I don't know. Do you think that that's a possibility? Um uh, and it's just that, like, the only good thing I've ever heard for 9-11 hoax people is that they're, like, the news came out in days after and said that they found manuals in the cars of the hijackers that were explaining how to uh, run the plane or hijack the plane or something. Like, they had manuals open in their cars, like, and then the theory is that the news or somebody planted that just to give people the impression that they're the hijackers were really doing this. I, I don't know how that hoax disputes that they're like people that hijacked the planes and then flew them into the buildings. I understand that the idea is that Bush made it happen so that we could reinvigorate the military industrial complex or have a reason to send to get a lot of money through that. But it's like, uh, I, I guess it's possible that Bush maybe knew or like maybe they played dumb a little bit or like intelligence said that this might happen and then they let it happen like in order to reinvigorate the military industrial complex. But like I I don't think that they I don't think that they let it happen on purpose. I think if they knew that that was going to happen, they would probably have tried to prevent it. I don't I don't think that. I don't think that Bush wanted that on his hands. I don't know why anybody would. Like, why would any leader in that position, like, this is just a guy. Why would any guy be like, well, yeah, let it happen and make the entire, make me completely responsible for it or, or something. Um, I think it's possible that they were kind of negligent or like intelligence knew about it, but um, it's... Uh, but it's like the they planted I like that idea that like, oh, maybe somebody planted manuals to give the public the impression that they really did hijack it or like the, like make people turn against the terrorists even more or something. There's also reports of they found passports of the terrorists like in the streets of New York or something like that. 
um, I could see where the New York Times or somebody might run a story like that that is false just to just because they're capitalizing off of the event and it, it was easy it's easy to push the narrative that terrorists are shitty or or whatever like capitalize off of the images of finding their passports in the street um but also like so that makes me think like oh maybe there is some planting or whatever but i really don't that's the only thing i've ever heard that sounds interesting i really don't believe that that's a hoax at all um but this that I'm going to cover today, I I do believe is uh, possible. I would like to present it as if I completely believe it, but I don't want to make everybody think, anybody who's listening to me, that I'm completely crazy. But it's like, um, because it's weird to be presented with that there are inner earth civilizations and then like believe that. But I, I think that there is something interesting going on, but like, the point that I'm bringing up is that the conspiracy theory that I'm covering today, Hollow Earth, is much better than both of those because it's it, the way that it deals in conspiracy is better. Like it's it's harder to disprove it, and it's not like um, it's it's hard to disprove it because it's a theory about how there's openings at the North and South Pole that are entrances to uh, to this whole world that exists under the Earth's surface, and it's hard to disprove because nobody will, nobody has access to the North or South Pole. Uh, from what I hear, it's actually illegal to fly a plane over the North or South Pole within a certain number of meters. And like, as a person, you're never going to be able to visit it to see if this is true. There's openings at the poles and then civilizations that live within them. Um, it's very difficult to disprove it. And it's, th this is why it's a good conspiracy theory. Um, it's very difficult to disprove. It's like, it involves the entire world. The, like the entire world benefits from this knowledge that they don't have that's being withheld from them, uh, about inner earth civilizations. But it's like, it, it reveals something like the next step in our evolution or process of discovery. Like there's, um, what is the next frontier this conspiracy theory that the next says that the next frontier is a very specific thing. And there's a very specific answer to what is it that we don't yet know about ourselves? Like this conspiracy theory says that there is a specific answer to that question. And it's like, there's a next step for us to go. And, uh, it involves this, this information that is being concealed from us. And also another reason why it's a good conspiracy theory is because it links very many, uh, very many disconnected pieces of information that you can actually connect them all through this. This theory connects a lot of uh, disconnected things like um, aliens and and whatever else, but uh, I'll get into it now. So basically, basically, let me go and... Um, let me find the the history channel covered this the inner civilizations and so there's a 5 minute video that I'm I'm going to go to their thing their thing first but um here the history channel let me first play this clip here scientists researching the earth's mantle announce that they have found what they believe to be a vast body of water three times the volume of all of our oceans combined, contained within a mineral layer 400 miles inside the Earth. The 
fascinating. They said that the, um, what did they say? Isn't that, I didn't hear it. That they have found what they believe to be a vast body of water, three times the volume of all of our oceans combined, contained within a mineral layer 400 miles inside the Earth. Uh, so, uh, water that is three times the volume of all of the oceans combined is in a mineral layer 400 miles beneath the Earth's surface. So, did you know that there's water, according to, according to scientists? There's a ton of water more than all oceans combined, like deep below the Earth, deep below the oceans. Didn't know that, but uh, so there's like History Channel videos talking about that. 18th century mathematician Leonhard Euler put forth his own hollow earth theory with no concentric shells and a sun at the center spanning six so Leonard Euler like arguably the greatest mathematician of all time believed that the earth was hollow and that there was a sun right at the center of it and that there were openings at the north and south pole this is just something that he imagined uh Edmund Haley who Haley's comment is named comet is named after also envisioned that the earth was also believed in hollow earth and that something like that that's the only thing that could explain the the way that the earth's like magnetic field operates that just the from what he understood about the earth he's like it can only be explained through there being through being a hollow earth um but i mean that's just that's just some pretty serious shit and um but what's really interesting about this theory is that the guy who's credited with the first flyover of the south pole richard bird the guy who's like best known for his work in discovering the poles he went to both the north and south pole but he's like he's credited with like he's probably the most storied discoverer or explorer i should say of the north and south poles and he recorded he recorded in his diaries and like the recordings that he came up with are good enough that the history channel respects them to be true because they talk about what he said in his diaries as true but richard bird the guy who for the first guy to fly over the south pole said that the south pole is green and there's like vegetation at, at a certain threshold you cross um that at the south pole there's vegetation and the south pole has its own luminosity and he said the same thing about the north pole that there's a certain part if you go close enough to the north pole there's vegetation and it has its own luminosity he also and he said that there's in there's ancient civilizations that exist at least at the South Pole, he said there's an ancient civilization there. I think he said that about the North Pole also, but. Bird allegedly reported in his private journal about a mysterious land beyond the North Pole, which he called the center of the great unknown. Admiral Richard Bird was able to fly to the North Pole and back and recorded flying over lush green areas where none should have been. And then three years later, he flew over the South Pole. It's rumored that when Admiral Byrd's task force actually got to Antarctica, that one of the first things they discovered 
was an entrance into a hollow earth civilization that was populated by very, very advanced beings. Admiral Byrd. Yes, yeah, so Byrd not only is saying that he found these civilizations, but that they're uh, inhabited by very advanced beings. Um, and as I'll get to later, the beings are are basically aliens and are the reason the reason for alien sightings that we have today is a result of these civilizations that live within the earth. Um, there's, uh, and that's, that's, that's what's going on with that. I, I think that, um, this is a plausible theory. You wouldn't be able to figure out, um, if there's openings at the poles or not, or, or whatever it is, but like, I think that there is something that you need to th consider with what what people believe about Santa and the elves is a little bit like um I think that people are playing dumb or there's something there's something behind it like why is this myth so important to us and so popular and especially when we all know that it's bullshit it's a little bit like, um, I think that there's something at the North Pole and there's something, there's something hidden, but I think that the myth of Santa and the elves conceals that for everybody by causing everybody to not, th not consider what is there and not think about it, especially like geographically, even we write it off as a joke, like the North Pole, because we associate it with a mythical story. It's almost like people treat the North Pole as if it isn't real, but like, um, this does not, this inhibits us in some way because it freezes our uh, perception of the North Pole to a specific set of images. But but what's worse about it is a set of images that everybody knows is false, but that we keep, we keep perpetuating as if there's something true about it. But it's like adults, it's, it's like to some extent adults believe in the North Pole because... Um, but I'm saying, like, this theory says there's an opening at the North Pole. This is, uh, I don't know that there's necessarily an opening or, like, for sure there's vegetation and greenery at a certain point. Uh, I think I think there's a, definitely a possibility of that, especially, like, how do I know better than the guy who explored it and is most credited with exploring it, with saying, saying that there's vegetation at the North Pole? Um and that there's like a land beyond it as uh, there's like something something going on within it or there's an opening there. Um, it, and I feel like that to me is corroborated by this myth that we have in the North Pole that is like, um, it freezes our perception to falseness or just a less, a dumber view of things when you don't, you're not considering like what actually could be going on there. But I'm saying like, the mythical nature of it that we all that we all believe in that but like adults basically believe in santa claus with the amount that i mean i speak for what happens in america um adults adults almost believe in santa claus because they are they are complicit in perpetuating it for everybody without the adults how does this santa claus myth exist but it's almost like the wool is pulled over the eyes of everybody, including adults, with this Santa Claus thing because we keep acting like it's real or something so that because we're we're protecting children and uh, this secrecy is just uh, it's just something like adults 
hold certain secrets because of the identity of being older or like holding it over youth youthfulness that they know more than them or are wiser it's kind of like playing into an, an identity of being older whereby what comes with the territory of that are certain like uh privileges like being able to say that you're wiser or more authoritative even if it isn't even if it isn't necessarily true, even if you are older but haven't earned your wisdom or something like uh, generalizing adulthood to be like all adults are adults, even though many of them are children or something, so that anybody who's seen as older, but like that we perceive strength in people being older when it's not like anybody who's older has more to say than anybody who's younger necessarily. Like if you just evaluated every individual person to be different, it would be harder to build up a lot of strength in this like adult perception or like parents kind of perception. But it's like there are certain certain things that like the adult identity holds over children like saying the Santa Claus is real when it's not but it's like this myth exists because of that that secret like if if uh nobody found it important to hold this secret over anybody's heads um it wouldn't exist but it's almost like adults have to believe in it to uh to tell kids that they're the authority on it but like you're giving you're giving credit to this theory or this belief that Santa Claus is at the North Pole. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying that the culture really celebrates this, like year after year, even even after the cat is out of the bag, that Santa Claus isn't actually at the North Pole. The culture celebrates this like it's real, like visibly speaking, Santa Claus is everywhere at Christmas time. And so like what, um, like, if you think that something is only real if it's right in front of your face, like, images of Santa Claus are right in front of your face every single year. And then, so are you going to say that that is real also? Um, like if you need to see something, well, I guess it's like, no, you don't actually see Santa Claus, but you see, you see him represented everywhere, but also you see him in the mall or, or wherever. And he's supposed to be, he is allegedly Santa Claus. The Santa Claus you see in the mall is Santa Claus. If you're like Santa Claus isn't, isn't real, you know, but the culture really celebrates him as if he's real. But, like, I'm just saying, um, why is it, why is the, this is such a major myth that, that isn't, everybody knows it's false. Everybody keeps saying it's true. I think that it's just kind of some, I think it's some high level of ignorance that prevents us from realizing what's really there. And I'm not saying that what's there is what Bird says it is. But you could factor that in, seeing as that he's the guy most credited for for exploring it. Uh, but I think that there's something there's something about it. Um, I think that there's something concealed by the by this myth, um, because recognizing that it's completely false, then you're then you're gonna say that there's something at the North Pole, but like, I think that the government or anybody, anybody who is against conspiracy theory or asking lots of questions is perfectly willing to live with the dumber reality that, oh yeah, it's Santa Claus, or uh, I'm just saying like, we treat it like it's true, even though we know it's false. Inner, inner civil, and it's like to the point that adults are fooled by 
by it to the same degree that we think that kids are, that we expect kids to be fooled by it. Civilizations, I can prove it. So now I'm gonna, uh, this brings me to my main video that I'm going to comment on. It's a 45 minute video, I'll tell you what it's titled so you can just watch the video by itself if you want to. Um, this is the video I watched that got me really interested in this. It's called Inner Earth Civilizations Exist and I Can Prove It. It's on, it's on YouTube, so just search that on YouTube. Um, but it's a comment on clips of it now. Geophysicist, mathematician, and astronomer Edmund Haley, who predicted the orbit of his comet, said the magnetic anomalies of the Earth could only be the result of a different composition. He believed that beneath the Earth's crust were two thick concentric shells and that each region potentially had its own atmosphere, luminosity, and was possibly even inhabited. So basically, Edmund Haley uh, evaluating the magnetosphere of the Earth, or like the way that energy flows in and out of it, he believed that there's concentric circles surrounding the poles, and then like the pole at the is at the center of the concentric circles, as if there's like uh, vortexes around the poles. But there actually are there's polar vortexes around Earth's poles. That isn't to say that there's openings at the North and South Pole, but there is something going on with the Earth's atmosphere surrounding the poles where they're like swirling around the the poles. The poles are at the center as if the poles are in an important point of reference. But what this is, this is maybe the most interesting scientific evidence to me that corroborates this entire theory is that is polar vortexes that occur uh, on the earth and at different planets that are that surround the poles of different planets like and they talk about that in here check out this nasa video taken showing saturn's north pole with the exact counter rotating fields that haley described and in this rare nasa video of jupiter's pole you can count up to 15 of these counter rotating cylinders so it's like well documented that there's uh there's vortexes in at the poles of jupiter and at of saturn jupiter and saturn there's also polar vortexes at, in um venus and mars and a couple of the moons and also at neptune but like the one at saturn is pretty notorious because there's at the center of whatever all of the atmosphere is orbiting around there's a hexagon saturn is the sixth planet there's lots of people that say saturn is something like satanic just because of the way that the word sounds or like based on its origins it's some some sort of like but it's uh the sixth planet and it has hexagons and its poles but the hexagon is like the center of the of the vortex that's happening at Saturn's poles where the vortex is like storms that are swirling in the atmosphere. But as you can see with this pictures of Jupiter's pole, the circles surrounding it are pretty, uh, pretty symmetrical or like beautiful or as if they're intended. Like it's just that the Jupiter pole, these pictures of it obviously point to the fact that they're like, oh, the pole is an interesting place to look at on a planet, but the the like polar vortexes on different planets emphasize the 
emphasize the poles to be important on the planets, but it's like the there's polar vor vortexes on the Earth too, and so that would say that maybe there's something like there's something to look at there, uh, especially when this is a reoccurring thing on on many different planets. It says something about planets themselves and the way that they're formed, and uh, like whatever they're composed of. It would appear that there's something important about the North Pole's connection to the South Pole across many different planets. Maybe to the point that they're like, it's hollow all the way from one pole to the other or something like that. So they mentioned in this video how, where did they mention that? That NASA, uh, well, actually I'll get into that in a minute, but this pictures in this video, if you believe that these are real pictures, they say that NASA has these pictures that uh, of the South Pole. Watch this NASA video closely, and you'll see that the Astralis Borealis appears to be clearly emanating from a dark point on the planet. If you overlay a map on the planet, it's exactly at the point. There's a dark point, like there's a circle, as if there's this giant opening right in the middle of Antarctica, according to these NASA, like, you can see it pretty clearly in this picture here. It's just whether or not you believe this is really something that NASA captured. So, like, the theory, according to this video, is that the Earth, there's, like, a uh, energy field around the Earth that organizes and, like, that reorganizes itself by sending, by sending energy through the Earth. But this, this video is supporting that there's, like, openings at the North and South Pole, and there's some sort of hollowness that occurs all the way from the North to the South Pole for energy to go within and without of the earth um but they they make the point that this system is what the earth is and what all planets are like planets have this hollow thing in the middle and it resembles like it resembles like an apple and an orange and a tornado and a galaxy or or a hurricane you know and that's what the that's what vor polar vortexes are is just like the eye of a hurricane but like in a giant giant hurricane structure with winds and storms and shit that happens at the poles of many planets is what I mean with like polar vortex. So current models of Earth's interior are not fact, they're theories. In the meantime, look at the facts you do know. No. Every continent has extensive cavernous networks, like Sun Dung Cave in Vietnam with its jungles yeah, well, there's lots of, they make the point there's lots of cavernous networks everywhere in, um, in all the different continents and that, and some of them, they say, are like, well, at the other end of this cave is an entrance to one of these inner earth civilizations because this theory, uh, as I'll get to in a minute, supports that there are inner earth civilizations besides the ones that might be found at openings at the poles but that there's like cave systems that'll take you to these metropolises that have long been known by by some ancient people but it's like the buddhists actually as part fervent buddhist belief uh supports that there's this metropolis called agartha that you can access if you know the right like llamas that that know the entrances or like know what temples to go to 
that give you access to the underground caves that lead you to Agartha, but this, like, Gartha has been, Agartha has been hypothesized for, like, centuries, and, um, the Germans were obsessed with the, this, like, in Tibet, the Tibetans' beliefs of Agartha, and they researched it and did a lot of work to figure out how you get to inner earth, and this is, like, the, I'm talking about the World War II Germans who were trying to, who are pursuing any eventuality in order to like completely control the earth or what like uh establish their thousand year reign or whatever they're trying to become immortals and so they were like pursuing pursuing these theories like about the inner earth and pursued them to interesting ends as you'll as i'll you'll find out either in this part or in the next part rivers and space to fit a 40 story sky but um Pretty much there, the the current models of the Earth, as they say, uh, they claim in this video, it's like the current models of the Earth's interior are not fact. They're fit. They're they're not fact. They're theories, and they are they are basically theories. They're fiction in the same way that conspiracy theories are. Like the way that science, whatever scientists know about the 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 inside of the earth, what it's composed of, that they say it's like the mantle and then the core and the outer core. That is theory. It's actually just fictional as if somebody wrote a book or something. It's like a myth and it is not substantiated. It's not proven. And really, and that's another reason why this is such an important conspiracy theory is that it expands on theories you can have about what's going on inside the earth. But it's, it's like, um, uh, that it is as simple as the first thing that we theorize it to be. If scientists are like, well, it's diagrammed this way, or there's an inner core, an outer core, a mantle, and a crust, that it's as simple as the first thing we guess it to be when those are just guesses. We, we haven't drilled far, down far enough to figure out that that's true. What results is like, you really have this whole space of things that you can imagine where you, you could actually imagine uh, it to be lots of different things when you realize that the thing that we believe it to be is actually just a superficial, it's our like, it's our best interpretation of things given zero data, zero evidence. But like, that is something else that's interesting to me about the myth of Santa Claus at the North Pole is that it is like a it, ultimately, the entire thing is enshrined in myth as it stands now, whether you believe this, that the earth is hollow or not. What you believe about it is mythical or it's like we don't actually know that it's solid all the way through. And um, it's like we don't know enough about how planets develop or planets themselves. Like it, it seems theoretically possible that the earth, because it's constantly rotating, that it is something like a hurricane of collected matter and isn't necessarily like dense at the very middle of it. Um, it, it could just be, it could just be uh, hollow in lots of places or like very cavernous or a lot more cavernous than we think it is, especially when you hear that we have figured out there's a ton of water down there. Or there's like different, there's different formations of things that exist th then that it's just solid all the way through or like composed of rock and also just describing this ginormous portion of it as the mantle and not saying anything more is just like 
it's a guess. It's not very specific because obviously if they did have access to deep below the earth, they would be classifying every single like mile layer. You could classify every few hundred square miles. You go deeper as a different category or a different spectrum to call this giant ass section. The, the mantle is just like, we don't have data. We don't have data about what's going on in here. And there's all of these theories that exist for uh, like, cities that people know about that exist like not even that far into the earth but so and one of these cities is agartha that's the best known one or um agartha is kind of like the term that's coined for whatever metropolis it is that exists at the other end of the tibetan um cavernous systems but other people are like Allegedly, there's all of these pathways that exist underneath the Himalayas that the Tibetans and the Buddhists know about that lead to this city that has different names, like some people call it Shambhala or Agarti. Uh, it's, it's Agartha is generally the most relied upon term for it. The word Agartha is of Buddhist origin. True Buddhists fervently believe in this subterranean empire which they say has millions of inhabitants and many cities, including the capital, Shambhala, Hear where that? the supreme ruler dwells. Yeah. Supreme ruler. It's a supreme ruler dwelling down there. The Dalai Lama is his terrestrial representative, and his messages are transmitted to the Lamas in Tibet. They believe that they've been there for thousands of years, sheltering humanity since the terrestrial cataclysms. So if you caught that, apparently, this is something I didn't know. According to this video, so I guess I didn't really research this factoid they bring up. They're saying that Buddhists, if you're like a real Buddhist, you believe that the Dalai Lama is a... They, like, they probably believe a number of things about him, but one of the things is that he's the terrestrial representative of the ancient... of the supreme ruler of Agartha, this city that exists within the earth. They're saying Buddhists believe the Dalai Lama is his representative and channels their messages to the other lamas. Or like that 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 is a much that as much a part of their that it's that much a part of their belief system. Uh they believe the Dalai Lama I guess the Dalai Lama is involved. Um the Dalai Lama is so involved at this point. It's just like it's so crazy. Boric published the Tibetan Lama revealed the capital of Tibet, Nicholas Rorick. And uh, the this Russian also... artist, philosopher, and explorer Nicholas Rorick published that a Tibetan Lama revealed the capital of Tibet was connected by a tunnel with Shambhala, the heart of the subterranean empire of Agartha and that the entrance of this tunnel was guarded by llamas who were sworn to keep its actual whereabouts a secret from outsiders. This is what I was saying earlier. That really goes along with what I was saying earlier. Um, isn't that weird? I was just saying that, and this actually goes directly, that's exactly almost what I was saying. Wow, that's so strange that I was onto it. Um, from hearing this video before and then repeating it and then re-showing the video, but... Um. 50s, in a coup which may have cost up to a million... Another Indian epic, the Ramayana, 
tells the story of the great avatar Rama, a blue-skinned emissary from Agartha, who arrived on an air vehicle. That's not appropriate. These air vehicles were called vimyanas, which means car or chariot of the gods carrying its occupant through the air. Strangely, flying airships have remained a consistent part of all inner earth stories, every one of them. So this video goes on to explain, this is the point in the video that's like 17 minutes in. They bring up that along with all of these myths and theories that different peoples and, and individual people have about inner earth civilizations that uh, aliens are always part of it, but that like the inner earth um, civilizations, they're apparently advanced enough and they have technology that's beyond ours as a result of, I mean, I guess as a result of whatever they can access within the earth, but uh, maybe it's this, because also you hear about like Bob Lazar, Bob Lazar's account is that he was um, dealing with like when he was in Area 51 working for the government, he was dealing with UFOs that they brought to him and the UFOs were basically like had anti-gravity devices or that that was like one of the major components of why they're, they're so indecipherable the technology that they had found with the UFOs that he was investigating. He was trying to figure out how the anti-gravity devices on these UFOs worked. And it's like, that is probably what would cause you to have these spaceships that rely on anti-gravity is if you were, if it came from civilizations that were within the earth where as like, um, as far as we know, there is a different gravity operates differently below the surface, I guess is what they're, I guess is what they're pointing out at the beginning with the gravity thing, but like anti-gravity, whatever we would describe with that, like whatever is the opposite of gravity is something that is not in our vocabulary. Even like Earth's scientists today don't know what anti-gravity is, but anti-gravity, whatever the opposite of gravity is, that is a real thing. And maybe like a civilization that lives within the earth deals only in anti-gravity. Maybe anti-gravity is what happens below the surface or is like that, that kind of gravity. And maybe it's the case that we need to combine our knowledge of both gravity and anti-gravity in order to, I mean, it's just that this theory is so important because of the, um, because of the opportunity, the potential that it has, like if there really are inner civilizations, what we need to do as humanity is connect the two worlds, figure out, it's like figuring out your shadow self or something, but um, here's an interesting fact about it. So they, um, when the Vikings settled in Greenland, they, when the Vikings first discovered Greenland, like, first of all, the Vikings set off and they had heard tales of Iceland. And so the Vikings were like the first people, quote unquote, to arrive and colonize Iceland. And then once Iceland's territory was all plotted out, then they were, the Vikings were again looking for new worlds. And then they moved to, they moved further east and then they found Greenland. And, um, they basically established two main settlements on Greenland that 
that they were able to sustain for, I think, a number of, a couple of centuries at least. But the northern of these settlements, there's this mystery, it's like one of the greatest mysteries of all of human civilizations, is that the northern settlement that the Vikings established, they disappeared like it was Roanoke or something. And when, when whoever it was, whatever discoverer, whatever explorer is credited with going back and trying to find them, didn't find them. They all, they all basically mysteriously vanished. But um, this video references that ties in that mystery with this whole inner earth theory. All of their villages were found abandoned and their disappearance has become one of the largest unsolved mysteries in our recent history. That is, unless you ask the native people of Greenland, the Inuits. According to these Eskimos, the white men swarmed suddenly northwards to a wonderland that the natives had long known about. They called it the land of endless summer, rich with vegetation and game. Wow. According to their legend, Colonists were lured to a land of eternal bliss inside the protective womb of the earth. So as it turns out, well, according to the Inuits, the locals who apparently know about what this North Pole, this special land or what happens up there, the Inuits have known about it for a long time. And they're like, all these white men, Vikings were just lured to the North Pole by, by the promise of prosperity and utopia that exists there. Or, or something, and uh, that's why they left. So the, the locals, it, it's similar to Roanoke, like Native Americans in the area where Roanoke was, even to today tell the story of like, the reason that they disappeared was because of this, or they, they left, they like migrated somewhere else or something. Like uh, the locals know that these Vikings just went to the entrance of the North Pole, uh, allegedly. So it ties in. That, that mystery solved. Mystery solved. And then, um, additionally... In the 12th century, an unusual story of underworld beings showed up in Suffolk, England, and is still a part of the town's history today. The children of Woolpit Reapers in the area one day discovered two small children who had skin with a pale green hue and who spoke an unknown language. And though starving, ate only raw beans. The boy soon died. But after many years in acclamation, the surviving girl finally explained that she and her brother had come from a subterranean land where the sun never shone and where the light was more like twilight, saying they'd become lost when they followed their cattle into a cave eventually emerging onto the bright landscape. So in case you don't know that story, there's these two kids that showed up in England one day, like 500 years ago, and they had green skin and spoke a different language in Woolpit in England. The city's called Woolpit. And the account of this girl who eventually learned English, one of these green children, she's like, um, yeah, we, we come from a land where, like basically a land within the earth, where the land, the air, whatever, it's like the light is more like twilight or whatever, and they followed the wrong cave and then ended up in England. 
And so this is like another mystery that people know about, but it's interesting that this theory is able to give an explanation for that. Like, oh, I guess they're just inner earth children. Um, I believe it's possible rather than like, first of all, the first barrier is believing that that happened at all. If you believe it happened at all, it's that there's inner earth civilizations is a better explanation for why they appeared than that um, they come from some different world somewhere else in the galaxy or in the universe, and then they accidentally transported here. It would make, like, if that did happen, inner Earth civilizations is easily the best explanation for it. But that's why this theory is so good, is because it is, like, the closest... Uh, thing that could explain a lot of these mysterious things. It's like, and it, it's just right there, but we're not, we haven't even considered it, especially when the entire within of the earth provides this template of imagining things for you or saying that it's conspiracies exist. Um, like there's a lot of territory that is unexplored within the earth, literally, uh, literally, there's not data on it, and it's it, what goes hand in hand with that is that literally there's all this imagined space for you, for people to come up with conspiracies for like what what is the root of it, what is the real theory, what's the most accurate theory, and so that's a game of comparison and competition um, to like based on people's evidence, like investigate it figure out what's most specifically is going on but it's like there's a lot of there's a lot of depth to it just literally um there's a lot there's a lot of imagined space imagined territory that people have the potential to plot out or capitalize off of essentially or like because not enough has been discovered yet. It would be like an archaeological dig um, that for a dig site that no archaeologist had yet been able to explore or something. Like um, lots of potential, I'd, I'd say, is what's important about it. But I'll cover more on this. This is an exciting topic. I'll, I'll cover more. I'll do a second part where I continue to analyze this video. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you all later on. This is a Currency Podcast.